today on Ag News Daily. 2024 so far has brought us more questions than answers. Uh, it doesn't help where we have an election this year and more unanswered questions. Um, you just got to have a balanced approach, be strategic with everything, and be ready for anything to unfold. Well, here we are, listeners, February 5th, 2024. Not a lot of news today over the weekend, Delaney, and not a lot of weather either. You want me to jump into some of those headlines? Well, absolutely. But I just have to say I'm enjoying the warmer weather. So maybe Puxatani Phil is right with uh, not seeing seeing a shadow, not seeing a shadow, whatever he did last week. I think you predicted accurately. Correct. Not seeing a shadow. So it shouldn't be too much longer until we get to spring. So we'll see if the old wives tale holds together. It'll also be interesting to see if the old wives tale about fog holds together because we've got dense fog alerts again as part of the large swath of the northern United States following the Canadian border, North Dakota, Minnesota, and then dropping into parts of eastern Colorado and western Kansas. Central South Dakota will have those advisories that will remain in effect tomorrow until 10 a.m. local time. National Weather Service says really the only thing you have to worry about is visibility. So we'll continue to keep an eye on that. Fog has been a problem today, so hopefully it's not too much of a problem tomorrow. Central Illinois saw some of those patches as well. But it looks like maybe Tuesday will be the last day of fog for a while. I am uh, going to relish in this warmer weather then for a little bit, Sandra, because it sounds like heading into Valentine's Day weekend, Eric Snodgrass is expecting to see things cool down once again. He said there's a big cold air patch in Alaska right now that he's expecting to get displaced over much of the Midwest and Northern Plains heading into Valentine's Day. And it's going to be trending colder February 15th through the 20th. So enjoy the warm weather while you can. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. Well, Tanner, digging into my first headline here, the Federal Reserve, of course, had their first meeting last week of 2024 to discuss the outlook ahead. And uh, after a 60 Minutes interview that aired on Sunday night, Federal Chair Jerome Powell told the CBS News show that he was going to be really prudent in deciding when to cut the benchmark interest rates for the time being moving forward. He did share that he was optimistic about the overall economy and said that they would be proceeding carefully with interest rate cuts this year and likely will move at a considerably slower pace than the market expects. That's not certainly maybe positive for the expectation of comments that we're expected to see after that meeting. But nonetheless, they did indicate that things seem to be slowing as they had intended. The economy still remains strong, relatively strong, and they want to see more evidence that inflation is moving sustainably down to the 2% level. He said their confidence is rising. They just want to be more confident before they take the next steps of beginning to cut interest rates, Danner. Yeah, I saw that as well. So we'll continue to keep an eye on that. Something I've been watching for the last couple of weeks is France and Belgium. Two of the main farmers unions there have called upon their members to end their week-long protests and lift their roadblocks they've thrown up on highways. The agricultural unrest is still spreading other places in Europe, but they have called for an end in France and in Brussels. 
the European Union summit is what had talked about this. They drove, farmers drove tractors into Belgium, hurled eggs, stones, started fires, dropped lots of agricultural debris and soil in those areas. So uh, something going on overseas, Delaney, that we could continue to keep an eye on and staying on that network of things. The Kremlin is continuing to decline on comments that Tucker Carlson made. They are paying close attention to the U.S. journalists and is looking for, he's looking for an interview with Vladimir Putin. Reportedly, the Kremlin's declined to say whether or not Putin would grant this interview to Carlson. Said that we can hardly expect information to be accurately conveyed from foreign journalists. In other news, anti-war politician Borat Nazadent's election bid is all but over after his campaign team said that Russia's electoral authorities have recommended the bid be rejected. So I wanted to get a quick update on those headlines. Well, Tanner, as we take a look at some U.S. headlines, of course, the cattle inventory report last week shared that as of January 1st, cattle inventory has reached a 73-year low, which is probably a low that many ranchers don't remember during their lifetime or career. The smallest inventory since 1951, and that's keeping a floor under the cattle market. We're going to dig into this story, I'm sure, with Naomi Bloom coming up here in our Market Monday conversation coming up, but just wanted to share again those fresh numbers with our listeners so they were top of mind here as we continue to look at the U.S. cattle inventory. Really, it has been on the decline since about 2019, Tanner. Uh, We saw, of course, COVID had a little blip in there in 2021. We really started to see the decline as well. So the last few years, we've been setting ourselves up here for this perfect storm. The question becomes, uh, at what point is too tight, too tight for the cattle market? And when do we price ourselves out of this market? That's a question a lot of analysts are starting to ask themselves. And one we'll be sure to ask Naomi coming up here on just a, just a minute. Yeah, it seems like a lot of analysts are calling for higher prices, but staying meat-based news, the Iowa Pork Regional Conference will take place February 19th through the 22nd. They'll have four locations across Iowa. The conferences will remain as a part of their longstanding partnership with the Iowa Pork Producers Association. The Iowa Pork Industry Center will be hosting one of these. They have a shared goal of bringing research and education to producers, as well as talking about the future of the pork market. Of course, they will offer PQA certification lessons, and they will continue to talk about other industry issues. National Pork Board uh, provides an update that they will send representatives to these meetings as well. There are more programs in place to work on domestic and international markets and success for animal disease prevention. We've had a couple of interviews about that as well. Lee Schultz plans to summarize the current supply and demand outlook. And we have uh, Dr. Chris Rademacher talking about swine health. And the Iowa State Extension Office will look to provide other tools available for those in the area. We've got Orange City, Webster City, Nassau, and Washington, Iowa is where those four locations are going to be, Delaney. Those sound like that'll be a good opportunity for some producer education, Tanner. Tis the season for that. Yes, it is. Well, Tanner, it's also the season for farmland prices to continue to come in at record levels. Unfortunately, we saw an Iowa farm bring in $23,700 per acre, according to analyst Dave Price. 
These were farmland sales that happened just at the end of 2023. And a couple of key sales that happened in Northwest Iowa, where the about 39 and a half acres in Sioux County, Iowa brought in a whopping $23,700 per acre. It was located five miles north of Orange City, Iowa, and had a uh, CSR score here of 90.1, so pretty high ground. Most of that acre was tillable, about just under half an acre was non-tillable ground, but this property is also located near several grain elevators, which made it a really attractive location as far as basis goes. Tanner, we saw a couple other farmland sales that rolled in at the end of 2023 with also some pretty high price tags. One just outside of Omaha, Nebraska happened right around Thanksgiving time that brought in 22.5 per acre. Another 95 acres in Carroll County, Missouri brought in $20,000 per acre and another 53 acres in Illinois, uh, McDonough, McDonough County, I'm hoping I'm saying that correctly, brought in 18,500. So I don't know, the, the verdict is still out as to where we see farmland prices here in 24. I know there's been a mixed outlook from that industry. That's right. Well, my last headline today has climatologists saying Texas farmers should consider an early planting for 2024. The majority of the Lone Star State received above normal precipitation to begin the year, which provide a reduced drought conditions. The majority of Texas received above normal, resulting in those drought conditions dropping. As a result, some of the experts in the area encourage an early start. John Nielsen of Gammon, Texas, a state climatologist, said, generally speaking, farmland in Texas is pretty good after their mid to late January rainfalls. The latest drought monitor shows that statewide, Texas has seen improvement in their drought conditions since the start of the calendar year. None of the state is in a D4 exceptional drought anymore, only 2% in D3 and 8% in D2. So it uh, looks like that we have a lot of the state improving their drought stress. Long-range forecast also appears to be a little bit positive. This is because of the continued impacts of an El Nino weather pattern. However, above average precipitation is expected to last throughout late winter, so they might not be able to get into the field early spring just due to rainfall. Delaney, but that's the last of my headlines. Well, Tanner, I have just one final headline here before we head into the markets, and that's taking a look at an update here from the Israel-Hamas conflict. Over the weekend, we saw the U.S. struck back at Iran-backed groups, although it avoided a direct strike on Iran. It hit dozens of sites across portions of the Middle East in retaliation to death of three U.S. service members that were killed recently in one of those Iranian-backed attacks. And U.S. officials have indicated that more strikes are likely following two more days of attacks here in Yemen, Iraq, and Syria. The Gaza Strip, of course, is continuing to get hit the hardest here, which has been going on now for multiple months. October 7th is when this conflict erupted here. And it's hard to believe it's been that long now since we have been reporting on these issues, Tanner, but no end currently is in sight, unfortunately. As we take a look at the markets, though, and how that's playing out here 
On today's Market Monday episode, grains finish mixed on the board. March corn unchanged to close today at 442 and three quarters. March soybeans added seven and three quarters cents today to close at 11.96 and a quarter. As we take a look at the wheat complex today, hard red March winter wheat down 11 cents to close on the board at 6.14. March Chicago wheat down nine and a half cents at 590 and a quarter and March spring wheat down eight and three quarters cents at 691. Taking a look at the livestock markets here, cattle continue to find some footing here as April live cattle shed $1.40 today to close at a buck 82.35. March feeder cattle shed 205 today to close at 242.75 and April lean hogs today cut $1.62 and a half to end at $82.20. Without further ado, let's kick it over to our Market Monday conversation with Naomi Bloom. Well, today we are joined by the wonderful Naomi Bloom of Total Farm Marketing. Naomi, thanks for joining us. Hopefully you're enjoying some of this warmer weather we've been having here over the last few days. Yeah, it is nice to have a little bit of break from winter, that's for sure. It certainly is. And I think hopefully it's an indication of the planting season that we have ahead of us. But uh, speaking of planting, we've got a WASDE report coming out later this week. Expectations for the growing season? What are you thinking we see in this week's WASDE report? Well, you know, usually the February report doesn't have a lot of tweaks to it just because we um, had the big January report recently. Um, But what traders are really watching for on this report, from the corn side of things, we're just looking to see if there's going to be any Uh, tweaks to demand, maybe an uptick in ethanol numbers, maybe an uptick on exports since export sales are um, on track with USDA projections for now. And then on the bean side of it, I don't know that we're going to see much on the domestic front. I think we're all curious to see if there would be an uptick of demand for crush. But the bigger component that we're watching would be production numbers for Brazil and Argentina. Uh, We're, of course, expecting the USDA to increase the Argentina soybean production number a little bit. But what we're wanting to know desperately is how much do they reduce the Brazil crop, if any. So that's going to be what I think trade is focused on. Um, And any signs of friendlier than expected news to finally get this market to turn around. Otherwise, sideways to a little bit lower might be the name of the game in the short term. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned Brazil because looking at the latest ag economy barometer and a survey of ag economists, it looks like that's one of the main focuses they are watching here is what happens with Brazilian exports as far as corn specifically is concerned related to all these weather issues we've been having. What camp do you fall into? Well, yeah, definitely wanting to watch Brazil from the corn standpoint, because right now their expectation is that they're going to be exporting more corn than America this year. But the thing with Brazil, we got to really break down those numbers um, on their total production. So last year, they produced 137 million metric tons for corn. This year, it's supposed to be less. And we already know that 127 million metric tons. But you got to remember a quarter of that crop is what's planted right now and three quarters of it, safrina crop or 95 million metric tons has yet to get planted. Now that's the corn that gets exported to the world in August when our crop isn't ready. So if there's any signs that their production is not up to snuff or it's too hot down there, the hope would be that countries around the world turn to America 
and they buy U.S. corn um, a little bit more frequently sooner than later in case there are signs of struggle with the Brazil crop. I mean, especially with U.S. corn so cheap right now, it'd be a great time to be a buyer. So we're weather watching in Brazil. Exports, absolutely critical. And as we dig into exports here today, USDA on Monday reported that weekly export inspections showed U.S. soybeans were above trade expectations last week. Is that what pushed markets higher today? Yes, that is exactly what happened because those weekly export sales came out or the inspections came out and then soybean prices started to work up a little bit after that. Um, it was a great number that we saw. The corn number, you know, kind of as expected, no big excitement there, but it was nice to see that we are moving those beans. Um, again, we couldn't get those March beans back above $12, so that's going to be some resistance for now, but it was definitely welcome news um, just to know that our product is moving. And Naomi, a follow-up question to that is, does that weekly export reflection show a trend potentially that's ahead or was it just a one-off blip on the radar here today with these strong numbers? Well, I think I'm going to answer it in terms of this way. I think we are on target for what the USDA is projecting for this year. Now, we all know that it's not as great as it was a year ago, but we are on target for what the USDA is projecting so that's where Thursday's report will come in. And, and does the USDA, because you got to remember on the January report, the USDA made no changes to demand for U.S. soybeans. They increased the yield for U.S. soybeans. So we're desperate to see if there's any tweaks to the demand side of it or not. Um, that's 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 the big question going forward. And that's what we'll be watching. Um, there's some people also, I'm kind of switching gears on you here though a little bit, who are are looking to see on the report also in terms of soybeans, um, if the USDA makes any changes to how many soybeans or how much soybeans China imports. Some are thinking that it might be a little bit less just because they had to call so many hogs recently. So maybe there would be less feed demand there. So we're keeping an eye on that too. Naomi, as we look at heading into the growing season here, obviously we know across the board going to be less profitable this year than we've seen the last few years with strong prices. How does that play out for the acreage mix for 2024? Well, I think there's a lot of uncertainty with that acreage mix. Um, as, as I talk to producers, it seems a lot of them are sticking to their regular rotation. And it seems that the industry doesn't necessarily have a pretty have a handle on it for the most part quite at the moment. So I am wondering if there would be any last minute competition for acreage um, seen in the foreseeable future. Now, we are going to get a glimpse of acres for the spring at the USDA Outlook Forum, which is going to be, I think it's February 14th, 15th, um, right around that time frame. And that's in Washington, D.C. So it's not an official USDA report. But trade has started to treat it like a report. So the USDA will give a just a reflection on where they think planted acres might be at for the spring. Um, that'll be the next guiding guiding focus here. But, you know, the reality, we could lose 3 million acres of corn from a year ago. And if we have trendline yield and no really big changes in demand, we're still going to have 2 billion bushel carryout. So we need, um, you know, demand to get a spurt to it. Um, or we would have to see a dramatic weather issue somewhere in the world or either here this summer in order to get prices to go a lot higher. Otherwise, to your initial point, 
yeah, it's going to be not as a necessarily profitable year as it has been in the last couple of years, just because commodity prices, of course, have come down so much. Absolutely. But the one bright spot really continues to be the cattle markets with the latest cattle inventory report reflecting January 1st. We've seen we've hit 73 year lows. That seems phenomenal, Naomi. And I think the question playing out in my mind and probably a lot of others is at what point do we see the herd shrink to a point where prices are not spurring demand? Yeah, that's what we're all kind of wondering, too. So with the market today, you know, that that report was as expected from the standpoint of no big surprises in it. But I mean, it is this is the lowest herd since 1951. The herd is still shrinking. Um, I'm wondering if if folks are thinking, okay, well, we saw the USDA show an increase in imports from Canada and Mexico of cattle back in the fall this year. So do we see that kind of a thing happen? But right now, there is no sign that truly the domestic herd is is truly rebuilding in any capacity. So we're at a crossroads here in terms of the economy, U.S. domestic demand. Um, for beef. We're looking at a higher U.S. dollar. That's going to weigh on exports. And and we saw that last week. Last week's weekly export sales had U.S. beef sales for the week ending January 25th at 16,691 tons, down from 22,000 the previous week and well below the four-week average. So with the dollar working higher, that's going to weigh on exports. And we're seeing some stories over the newswire today of different companies laying off workers, uh, we have a lot of credit card debt in this country for middle class. So we're we're kind of at a crossroads right now. You know, the cattle story is friendly from the the reality of low supplies and numbers. But again, the demand is what's in question. Naomi, with that being said here, being at this point of a crossroads, what indicators are you watching to say, yep, the market is heading now in this direction? We've reached the crossroads and this is where we're headed. So daily, we're watching cash markets, we're watching box beef values, and we're also keeping an eye on charts and technical indicators. April cattle did a perfect 50% Fibonacci correction from the September high to the recent low and have recovered, um, but now posting a, like a negative reversal today after hitting the 200-day moving average on the top of the downtrend line. So we're balancing that along with the position of the fund, along with you know the reality of tighter supplies, weekly cash markets and it's it's a it's a moving juggling act um where we'll see which pieces fall or or which pieces can pick up the market and take prices back up to retest recent highs if at all possible so the next few weeks are pretty critical and Naomi, I think uh, I want to end with kind of the greater economy, because as you mentioned, we've seen continued strength in the U.S. dollar, but after Federal Chair Powell's comments on the 60 Minutes report, I think that was a mixed bag that maybe people weren't expecting to hear. He was very wishy-washy, it seemed, about where interest rates were headed and when those cuts would come into effect. What's uh, your outlook here? Yeah, and that is that's so true because everyone was expecting like there to be more of a concrete signal of yep, interest rates have been helping. Um, inflation has really slowed down, so we're gonna hopefully see interest rates go down sooner. And and we didn't get that. Um, you're you're right. His comments were a little bit wishy washy, and and the market responded to that by saying, oh well, maybe higher interest rates are gonna be here to stay for a while, and that's why the dollar went up this week and last week. Uh, the stock market down sharply earlier this morning, things 
really feeling like they're at a crossroads. And, you know, it makes you wonder with as much as the stock market had rallied in the good port portion of 2023, while commodity prices went lower, at what point do people come back in and start investing in commodities as potentially as saying, hey, they're too cheap now? Um, or do we see money markets stay where cash stays in money markets or in um, markets where, you know, you can just park your money for a 5% return on your investment. So um, 2024 so far has brought us more questions than answers. Uh, it doesn't help where we have an election this year and more unanswered questions. So be ready for anything. Um, and I think for producers, if you're forced right now to be making cash sales for uh, creating cash income, I would look to do some re-ownership strategies because you never know what can turn this market uh, higher. And especially with the funds short, almost 300,000 contracts of corn right now, if there's any piece of news that they can bite on, the market's going to turn higher. We could see a significant short covering rally down the road. So um, you just got to, again, have a balanced approach, be strategic with everything and be ready for anything to unfold. Well, I think that's a great place to wrap up today's conversation, Naomi. So thanks again for joining us. Certainly appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. Well, I think that summarizes 2024 pretty nicely, how Naomi put it there just at the end. A lot more questions than answers, but hopefully we'll be getting some more answers later this week on the podcast with some great guests coming up. Until then, check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And with that, I'm going to let the people go.